We turn this morning to Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14, where a father had a son who had a great need. And he discovered the wonderful truth that Jesus was the answer. And as dads, our challenge, our privilege, our responsibility is to bring our children to Jesus. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and raised him. And he got up. And when he came into the house, the disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you today for who you are, for your power, your mercy, your grace, your glory. And we acknowledge today that we need you. We need you, Lord Jesus, more than our next breath. We need you more than anything in the world. And I pray that we might come to you today. And as fathers, we might bring our children to you today as well. And so, Lord Jesus, would you take now The words that we have read, the words that you've given by the inspiration of your spirit, apply them, O God, to our lives today, and may you receive all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daddy, can you fix this? How many times, fathers, have you heard something like that come from the lips of one of your children? From a child's perspective, we are supposed to be able to fix things. 
I don't know if you knew this, but it's in our job description, right? Daddies are supposed to be able to fix things. And I would say that most of the time, the things that we are asked to fix, we've probably been able to fix. Except my father, he couldn't fix anything. If anything was broken, we had to have mom to fix it because dad didn't know how to do it. But most fathers are fix-it people. But I would caution you, we are not fix-it people when we're husbands, okay? If you know what I mean by that, you'll, you'll understand that. What do we do as fathers if our son or daughter has a problem we can't fix? Ever been faced with that? Something that your son or your daughter is going through and you wish you could fix it, but you're not able to fix it. I can tell you what you ought to do, and our text tells us what we ought to do. That is to bring that need to Jesus. Jesus said, bring him to me. <laughs> and that's the invitation that we look at today in this passage of Scripture, that we can come to Jesus with our own personal needs, as well as the needs of our children, our family, those we love, bring them to Jesus. And when this father responded to that invitation to bring that needy son to Jesus, Jesus did something wonderful in that young boy's life. And that's what we pray for, isn't it? We pray that God would do something wonderful in the lives of our children. That they would come to Jesus, experience and in their lives, His power to save them and transform them and give them a purpose in life. I would suggest to you there are three reasons given in this passage why Jesus said, bring Him to me. First of all, Jesus said, bring Him to me because the power of the enemy is so destructive. We know, don't we, from Scripture that Satan is the enemy of our soul. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said he comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And maybe one of the clearest illustrations of, of that principle is, is seen in the verses that we just read. Luke tells us in his account of this event, Luke 9, verse 38, that the one whom Satan attacked, this boy, was the only son of his father. And we don't know how old he was when he met Jesus, but when Jesus asked his father, how long has this been going on? Uh, he said in verse 21 that it had been from childhood. And so you would get the impression that he was in another stage of life from childhood. It must have been years that this kind of thing was going on in the life of this boy. Most people have a certain amount of sympathy and mercy for children, but not the enemy of our soul. He is out to destroy them just as He is out to destroy us. And as far as He is concerned, the sooner the better. And in our culture today, that is seen so clearly, isn't it? 
But the enemy of our soul is out to destroy our children from as young age as is possible. Notice what Satan did to this boy. Verse 17, one of the, one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and he stiffens up. Verse 20, they brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus, how long has this been going on? He says, from childhood. And then his father says in verse 22, it has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, can't you just hear that father? But if you could do anything, Lord, take pity on us and help us. Now, I've never seen something quite like this, but I know that these things happen. We just heard of this this past week at our conference when our missionaries sharing what demon possession had done to a, a child. And I'm thankful that we don't see a lot of this in our culture. Maybe there's more of it than I'm Aware of, but that doesn't mean that Satan isn't out to destroy us. He works in many different ways to destroy us, and sometimes those ways are very subtle. But he's still trying to destroy and to kill and to steal. Satan is the great deceiver. Jesus said that he is the father of lies. And so he seeks to destroy us with lies that he makes sound, you know, kind of good. And our culture is being deceived by many of his lies that, that seem to sound good. When, when he tempted Jesus, he even quoted scripture, right? Misapplying it, of course. And that's why we need to know the word of God. It's one of the greatest ways that we can protect our family. We are aware to his devices. We are not ignorant of ways that he is seeking to destroy. Satan is the great accuser, isn't he? Revelation chapter 12 says that he is the accuser of the brethren. He wants us to believe that some sins are are just not forgiven. You've done way too much. God is, is not going to forgive you. And the Bible says in Revelation 12:10, He accuses us day and night, seeking to destroy. He's also the great divider. He will do anything He can to cause division in the body of Christ. And sometimes division comes in the body of Christ over issues that are so insignificant. But He don't care. As long as he brings division, subtle ways. Chip Ingram says, often we view demonic activity in terms of obvious evil or spiritual attack. So what we're not always aware of is how subtle Satan's activity can be. As Christians, it's important that we recognize that the enemy's main method of attack is not through obvious atrocious acts of evil. He says it is actually more sinister than this. Satan's agenda comes packaged so deceptively that we may never know we're coming under demonic attack. 
Why? Because he disguises himself as an angel of light. And there are many who are being deceived. And what this father saw in our text today was an obvious attack of the enemy. And just think of how painful it was for that father to witness this over and over and over again for a period of years in the life of his son. What a painful experience it was. But as difficult as it was to witness this event, it brought into sharper focus both the destructive power of the enemy and the importance of his ministry as a father. Satan was committed to destroy the life of his son, but in Jesus, and in Jesus alone, he had the answer. He could bring his needy son to Jesus because Jesus had invited him to do so. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Dads, do you realize how important your ministry is as a father? Your ministry as a father is more important than any other thing you could do. Because in bringing your children to Jesus, you are impacting lives for generations to come. We just sang some songs about that, didn't we? About those who walked with God in years past and who passed on to the next generation the truth of God's Word. Dads. That's us. That's what we're called to do. Many years ago, Standard Oil Company was making uh, preparations to establish uh, work in Indonesia. And they were looking for someone to manage this operation, and they discovered the man they wanted happened to be a missionary. He was the best candidate. And so they offered him, this was years ago, $30,000 a year, Today we'd say that's kind of peanuts, but that was a, a, a great, great salary. He declined, and so they, they raised the offer. And finally they said, just name the salary. You just name it. Would you like that if your boss said that? Just name it. And I'll claim it, huh? Just name it. And he said, well, we'll pay it. And the missionary replied by saying, the salary is big enough, but the job isn't. Because he realized his calling in life, his ministry, was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Couldn't we say the same thing as fathers? There's no job greater. There's no job more important than our ministry as a father. Aren't you glad there's someone to help us? Boy, I am. Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring your son to me. Bring your children to me. Point them to me by praying for them and teaching them and and, and living a life that leads them to Jesus. That's how we bring them to Jesus. Notice, secondly, Jesus said, bring him to me because the power of the flesh is so deficient. The power of the flesh is so deficient. Sometimes the struggles we face in life are, are struggles that the Lord allows to mold us and shape us. But there are other times when we we struggle as a result of our own doing. We struggle because we try to minister in our own flesh, our own strength. (laughs) Nike says, just do it. And we say, yeah, I'll just do it. 
And it's all focused on the power of our flesh, and we are so weak. Think of the disciples as they tried to cast out this evil spirit from the boy in our text. They learned that lesson the hard way, didn't they? They found out how how weak they were in themselves, and it was a painful lesson for them. It certainly was. When Jesus came down from the mountain, verse 14 says that they were, the disciples were arguing with the scribes. And I've wondered, what was that argument about? Was it something with some point of doctrine? Maybe. I think it's more likely that it had something to do with their inability to help the demon-possessed boy. Can't you just picture the scribes mocking them and ridiculing them? The disciples must have been humiliated. Richard Lenski sees it that way. He says, the scribes were delighted by the failure of the disciples and taunted them and shamed them before the crowd and the disciples were defending themselves as best they could, the situation was painful indeed. There must have been some of that. And, And I think also just seeing this father hurting, bringing this son and and looking into his eyes and they, they could do nothing about it. The man says, I told your disciples to cast it out. They couldn't do it. Can't you just picture the disciples? Boy, we failed. Here is a man whose son is in desperate need. And and the father says, well, I brought him to your disciples. And they, they couldn't do it. And then Jesus said in verse 19, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? I don't think he was just talking about those people out there. I think the disciples were saying, I think he's saying that about us. I think he's saying that about us. And then you add to that, that personal feeling of failure. This must have crushed these men, but they learned something that day. They learned how deficient they were in themselves. And sometimes that can be a humbling experience, but it is a good experience, isn't it? We come to the place where we recognize just how weak we are and how much we need Jesus. That's what they needed to learn. They tried in themselves, in their own flesh, but they couldn't do it. So have you learned that lesson? Do you recognize that you have problems that you cannot handle yourself? Sometimes as fathers, you know, we're going to be the strong one, and I can handle this, I can fix this, I can do this. Instead of humbly coming and bowing at the feet of Jesus and saying, I can't do this, Jesus. Would you help me? Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you work in my life? Would you do what I cannot do? Oh, how weak we are. Bring him to me because the power of the flesh is so deficient. But then thirdly, Jesus said, bring him to me because the power of the Savior is so dynamic. Isn't it? 
When Jesus came down from the mountain and he saw this great need of this poor boy, uh, he intervened in a, a wonderful way. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. (laughs) I love that. Get out of here and don't come back. Do not enter him again. That was an amazing lesson for that father. He saw that the power of Jesus was greater than any power on earth. What no one else could do, Jesus did, and it was instantaneous, wasn't it? Get out of here and don't don't come back. But in the process of casting out this demon, Jesus was also teaching his disciples something, wasn't he? If they were going to have an effective ministry... They needed His power, and His power is sufficient. Jesus is enough. Do you believe that? Jesus is enough. One of the ways that Jesus made this clear to His disciples is in His response to the father of the demon-possessed boy. After He pleaded with Jesus to do something for His boy, if He could... (laughs) If he could, notice how Jesus responded. Verse 22, the father said, This demon has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus said to him, If you can't, like, are you, do you have some doubt as to what I can do? All things are possible to him who believes. See, the issue wasn't whether or not Jesus had enough power to do this. That is never the issue. So let's settle that, right? That is never the issue. There is no situation that you and I face that is too difficult for Jesus. Now, we don't know what His will is always in all of our circumstances, but let's settle that. There is nothing that is too difficult for Jesus. It's not an issue at all. The issue was one of tapping into his power. That's why Jesus said all things are possible for him who believes. And if you look at that question that the disciples asked Jesus in verse 28, they didn't seem to catch what Jesus was saying. That was a fairly common thing, wasn't it? (laughs) That might be a fairly common thing with you and I too. Not really catching what Jesus said. So, verse 28, when he came into the house... His disciples began questioning him privately. Why couldn't we drive it out? What's, like, what's wrong with us? Why couldn't we drive it out? So Jesus repeated again what he was trying to teach them all along. They needed to depend upon his power. He said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. And what is prayer? It's bringing your need to Jesus, right? It's acknowledging your dependence on Jesus. And that's the lesson the disciples needed to learn. And the lesson that Father learned that day, we depend on Jesus. We bring our need to Him. Is that a lesson that you need to learn today? I think many times we're no different than the disciples or or the father of the demon-possessed boy. 
Have you ever said what the Father said? I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Huh? I want to trust you. I, I know who you are, but there are times when I am in the midst of a challenge where it's just like, I feel like I'm sinking like Peter after walking on the water. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I depend upon you. There was a captain serving in World War II, Captain Johnson. He was a chaplain in a uh, South Pacific during World War II. And there was a bombing raid that took place, and when the plane was coming back, it, it was losing altitude, and the engine seemed to just fade away, and they were able to land on an island, but that island was surrounded by the enemy. And so the staff sergeant came to the chaplain. He said, chaplain, he said, you, you've been telling us for months that we need to pray and to believe that God can answer in time of trouble. He said, now's your chance to prove it. <laughs> so you're the chaplain. You think, oh, probably like the guy, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What am I going to do now? So he says, now's your chance to prove what you've been preaching. We're out of gas. The base is several hundred miles away, and we're surrounded by the enemy. Now, I would call that a pretty helpless situation, wouldn't you? So that afternoon, Chaplain Johnson began to pray and believe that God would somehow work a miracle. Night came, and Chaplain Johnson was still praying. Two in the morning, Chaplain Johnson was still crying out to God. And there was a, a noise a strange noise that aroused the sergeant, and walking to the water's edge, he discovered there was a metal float which had drifted up on the beach. It was a barge on which were 50 barrels of high-octane fuel. And in a few hours, they were back at their base. Now, that's not the end of the story. An investigation revealed that the skipper of a U.S. tanker, finding his ship in sub-infested waters, had removed some cargo because, to minimize the danger, and in that cargo was those barrels of, of high-octane fuel. And so they were placed on a barge, put adrift in the ocean, drifted 600 miles, and landed on the shore of that island. I would call that a miracle, would you? I would call that an amazing answer to prayer from a man who was crying out to God to do something that they could not do. Can you fix this, huh? Chaplain, you've been saying, you've been preaching, and God answered in a powerful way. So are you facing something in your life today? Something in the life of someone you love that you can't fix? Wish you could fix? I know someone who can fix it. And that's Jesus. And we simply bring that need to Him in our helplessness, recognizing that there are things that we are not able to do. We bring him to Jesus. And that does not mean that he's going to always do exactly what we want him to do, but 
in his wisdom, in his power, in his plan, in his purpose. What better place to give your need today than to Jesus? Bring it to me. Bring him to me, Jesus said. And when that man brought that demon-possessed boy to Jesus, Jesus did a wonderful work in his life. Dad, that's our responsibility. There are some things we can't fix. We can pray. We can bring those ones we love to Jesus and see what he will do to transform, to change, to work in the lives of those we love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess today that we are weak, but we thank you that you are strong. We know that we have a powerful enemy who is seeking to steal and kill and destroy. But Father, we know that you are greater. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so we cast our care on you today, Lord, because you care for us. And we will praise you for what you do, O God, and accomplish to accomplish in response to our cry, our prayers, our seeking your face today. Lord Jesus, may you receive all the praise and glory for what you accomplish in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.